Blog Talk Radio. Lardy Miss Clardy. Lardy Miss Clardy. Hello, welcome to the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show for Saturday, January the 16th, 2010. I am your host, Lardy Miss Clardy, and your co-host is one and only Brother Blondie. We are coming at you live from Columbus, Ohio with fresh news and real news from real people with real solutions. You got something to say? Say it. Stand up, speak up, and speak out. We have a hot button for you. Come and press on this. We have a stimulating show this evening for you. We will be talking about mortgage fraud, foreclosures, errors on citizens' credit reports after Chapter 7 bankruptcy and discharge, the ill due and owing. Has this happened to you? What kinds of hardships or injuries did this cost you? For example, mental anguish, stress that caused physical or mental SSI disability, can't get insurance, can't apply for loans, can't get, in, uh, can't get employment, can't be a homeowner. What else? Victimized? Defrauded? This has happened to you? What kind? Okay? What has this cost you and your family? How can we solve this? Come on to Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show, and let's talk about it. And women, I need your voices somewhere in this today. If you out there, come on in and help me talk about it. Tips and solutions to this issue, please. And contact us at brotherblondie at hotmail.com or familiesandvictimsoffraud.com. You can also call in at the number 347-884-8684. That number again is 347-884-8684. We hope to hear from you. We'll be right back.
Right, I guess we are having a little bit of a technical problem, being that the show is on but it's not streaming. Oh, now there it is. It's finally streaming. We thank God for that, okay? So, you know, we are back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show, and I want to be able to bring up that Brother Blondie, yours truly, has something he wants to say But, you know, I want to make sure that you understand what this show is going to be about for all of you out there that is going to participate. Hopefully you will because this is for your own good. This is the way we get out information to the hearers. So if you got something to say, say it, okay? Stand up and speak up and speak out about it. We have this hot button for you. you got to come and press on it. 
We will be talking about mortgage fraud, foreclosures, and errors on citizen credit reports after Chapter 7 bankruptcy and discharge. Still doing owing. And we want to kick it off over here with Brother Blondie with his updates and what's going on on the backlog dealing with the new music I just heard this evening because, hey, it was on. Oh, well, you know, Lordy, Miss Clardy, uh, good evening, everybody. I'm yours truly, Brother Blondie. And uh, uh, before I get to the news, the music you just heard was Aaliyah, the late Aaliyah, uh, with her remake of that famous Isley Brothers classic, Choosy Lover. Yeah, I ain't never heard of that one myself, yeah. but it was pretty cool, you know. Oh, well, well, well like you know, Miss Clardy, we play the album cuts on this show. We don't play just the hit singles. We... When, when we do it old school style, we will do it old school style. Well, now you're hearing it from Brother Blondie, yours truly, because definitely that's his area of expertise. So kick it on off of what we got to do this evening off of the updates on, you know, the breaking news, whatever that is up there, but we need to know what's happening. Well, we're going to stick with the old school topic for a quick second, Marty, Miss Clardy, because black women especially my mom, and happy, happy birthday, Mom. Happy yeah, birthday, happy birthday, Miss uh, Blondie. Miss uh, 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 Phyllis Horton, Mother Blondie. And in fact, one of the reasons why I played Aaliyah, uh, uh, Lardy Miss Clardy, is because she also shares the same birthday with, with my mom. Once oh, day, okay. Be, before uh, tragedy struck on August 25th, uh, 2001. I see, I see. Okay. But getting back to the old school uh, news, Lardy Miss Party, mm-hmm. we have lost a legend this past Wednesday. Okay. Teddy Pendergrass, who became R&B's reigning sex symbol in the 1980s and 80s, with his forceful masculine voice and passionate love ballads, and later became inspirational figure, suffering a devastating car accident that left him paralyzed, died Wednesday at the age of 59. He, uh, Pendergrass died at a hospital in suburban Philadelphia. The singer underwent colon can- cancer surgery eight months ago and had a difficult re- uh, recovery uh, since then. His son said to all his fans, who loved his music, thank you. He will live on through his music. As we all remember, Lardy Miss Clardy, uh, mm-hmm. Teddy Pendergrass suffered a spinal cord injury uh, back on March 20, no, back on March 12, 1982, of an automobile accident, which, you know, kept him in a wheelchair from then on all the way uh, uh, to his death. Okay. As you know, uh, Teddy Pendergrass, first came on the scene in 1971 when he was with the then group, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Yeah, he was blowing back then, yeah, you, turn out the lights and yes, all that stuff. Yes, you remember with their songs like The Love I Lost, mm-hmm. uh, Hope That We Can Be Together Soon, and great classics. He left the group because of his uh, dispute with Harold Melvin himself, embarked a, a groundbreaking solo career. He had uh, five straight platinum albums, the first R&B recording artist to do so, mm. uh, uh, Lardy Miss Clardy, and he wasn't with Motown either. He was that Philly sound with Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff in the background producing. Okay. And you remember such classics in your teenage years, 
Marty Miss Cardi like closed the door. Yes. Love TKO. And turn off the lights. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, turn them off! Yeah, well, you know. What? I mean, he. It, well, we looking at, you know, all of his lights are turned off now. Yeah. And all we going to have is just memories. Yes. So, you know, yes. it's been really nice growing up with him and understanding love from his perspective of thinking. Yes, and, and just give me two more quick minutes, Lordy, Miss Cardi. I have important Obama news news for you. Come on in. Uh, Barack, Barack Obama has team forces with, get this, George W. Bush and former President Bill Clinton. Say that again. Barack Obama. Uh-huh has teamed up with former presidents, okay. Bill Clinton, uh-huh. and George W. Bush in terms of raising money on the upcoming devastating, on the earthquake that happened in uh, Haiti, uh-huh. which has killed over hundreds and thousands of uh, people. Hmm. People, and uh, uh, yes. And I, I remember we need to help over here, too, with uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, well, and, you know, not only that, but with uh, um, Oregon. What is that? What's that place? Uh, New Orleans? Yeah. They have yeah, that New flood? Yeah. yeah. Yes, a hur- uh, a Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, tr- well, Lardy, Miss Cardi, um, a lot of folks has jumped on the uh, bandwagon on this uh, t- type of relief. And remember, it's, uh, as uh, right now, it's in the 90s down there in uh, uh haiti oh, good that's pretty hot we need to be down there about now yeah so so you know is uh you you know plenty of money's going to be sent mm-hmm. you, you know food uh water all that mm-hmm. and, and to, all you haitians, to all you haitians out there my my heart is uh my, my heart goes out to you yeah and one more quick obama news lardy miss cardi and i i just found this out uh uh today mm-hmm. and this is from uh abcnews.com. Okay. Can you believe Obama got a tranny on the staff now? A who? A tranny. What's that? A, uh, a, a, a transsexual. And I got it right here. He names a transgender appointee. Where you read that? The Congress comp- uh, uh, Department. I got it right here. abcnews.com. Come. Okay. President well, Obama. Recently named Amanda Simpson to be a senior technical advisor of the Commerce Department. In a statement, Simpson, a member of the National Center of Transgender Equality Board of Directors, said, as one of the first transgender presidential appointees to the federal government, I hope that I will soon be one of hundreds, that this appointment opens future of opportunities for many others. Why, Simpson is clearly one of the first transgender president, presidential appointees. Democratic officials say they're unsure if she's the very first one. Well, if she's not Democratic, stand up, speak up, and speak out. <laughs> right? I mean, but the, uh, there, there you go. Uh, um, oh, and, and by the way, the uh, Bush... And uh, 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 Clinton Day, that's from 10TV.com. I wanted to make sure they Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting uh, because just two, two, uh, two, two reports ago, you know, two weeks ago, we were talking about John Coe 
and the C family, the, the United States Christian family, you know, that is on a, on a, passing a bill to be able to take care of the Ugandians over on, in Uganda for being uh, transsexuals and all those different things. Um, man, um, and that, you know, there is Senator Grassley that sits up there on the Senate, uh, you know, that's a part of the, the, the C family um, agenda, or at least that's what I thought, you know. Yeah. And, well, but, you know, hey, it's not president, uh, I guess that's not the president's fault to become, you know, unpartisan or bipartisan, you know, or be partisan about it, you know, on a political side, but to be bipartisan about it. Well, the, the, the reason why that I was surprised to even hear that, uh, Lord and Ms. Clark, is because, you know, uh, you, you know, before I heard this story, you know, lately, uh, uh, you, you know, gay people has come out of the woodwork. And, lately? And, that's been a while. No, but, they've been out. But, but ask, but, well, you know, I, I mean in terms of asking Obama, well, what is he going to do for us? Mm-hmm. Same-sex marriage and all that type of stuff, I, I, I think. This story puts all lays all that to rest, so to speak. Well, they're people too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No matter what their preferences are, they're still human beings that need to eat and clothe the same way that you and I have to. So, you know, exactly. I, I suppose America got to get used to, you know, having people that have different opinions and different lifestyles and uh, accept them as being people that need to eat, you know, and that need to live and be housed and and they're trying to stand on their own two feet to uh, to to put their put their part in, you know, as exactly. being as being humans. You know, we all are humans down here. So yeah. I guess it, you know, we can't talk about black and white no more. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's just that's that's just something to keep each other at each other's throat all the time. We have to look at each other as we are human beings down here to survive and live, just like everybody else. Yes, because at the end of the day, Lordy, Miss Clardy, we all are part of the same race. Absolutely. The human race. The human race, right. And so, you know, we're going to get on on over here to the subject at hand. And the subject that we're speaking about this evening, we're going to be talking a little bit about, again, mortgage fraud, foreclosures, and Arizona Citizens Credit Reports after bankruptcy chapter sevens and discharges which is some say still due and owing on their credit reports. But, you know, as we are going into this uh, topic or into these topics, um, I have wrote an article uh, back in uh, May of 2008 dealing with uh, a title of America Under Bondage. I don't know if anybody remembers that, of course, because I think I spoke on it once before, but it looks like it's going to need to come up now. As a matter of fact, Marty, Ms. Clardy, you spoke about that at one of your earlier Families and Victims of Fraud meetings. I probably did. And so, you know, I am going to uh, read this, and I'm coming out of the uh, uh, homeowner news out of the American Homeowners Resource Center, as uh, I was then... Uh, the uh, editor for Ohio Homeowners News, and I wrote this particular article on America under bondage, letting go of America and our freedom for material gain. So I'm going to read it to you, and this is what I said. What can we do to get the people to come together 
to do a special federal suit in the federal district courts against due process violations and void judgments, okay? Uh, in that case, civil rights, too. I'm throwing it in that guy. What can we do to stop the gas prices from continuously increasing? Stop driving our cars? Stand still and boycott or something. <laughs> These people need our money to make them richer while we struggle day to day. Why give them our money when they don't care if we are without any means to make money? The low, middle, and middle-income classes, or however you want to call them, okay, are in a real crisis about now. The legislators have made a law that goes into effect very soon that stops people from being able to get loans from checking the cash institutions up to only four times a year. Well, you know, they didn't pass it now. What will happen to these families and their homes? Will they be stuck with the dilemma of deciding whether to put gas in their car, to go to a minimum wage job, or put food on the table? These individuals have been using these companies to juggle and in between checks for survival since the economic crunch had started. They will no longer be able to do this in abundance. Mm. The lawmakers have passed a law or passing laws to go up on uh, postage stamps, which they done done it. They have passed a law to go up on the water bill. They have done it. The electric bill, they have done it. And the cost of food has gone up, too. That has been done. Tell me about that. The oil industry has caused a domino effect, and everything has doubled in price. And some, in some instances, have gone up triple. Foreclosures have gone up across the country in enormous figures. Lawmakers know that we depend on the riches of this earth to provide us with what we need to live, and they have squeezed the living out of us. Most of our judges, attorneys, bank institutions, and special interest groups have gone that come together somehow against the laws that were implemented to enforce. Was it for the love of power, prestige, and money, or control? Don't you think they have lost their everlasting minds, America? There must be a switcheroo that has been done with the Constitution. It appears as though it was created to enslave we, the people, the citizens, and keep free the big wigs, when re in reality they've been entrapped as well within this, this control as they are trying to control us. You know, they, they, they all in it too because they got to get busted if we go down. That's the way we feel. <laughs> so, you know, the ideal is that it has created fear amongst the people in America. The people are afraid of our own judicial system. It has caused systemic problems in our communities all over the country, across the nation, really. You know, it seems as though the citizens of the United States have let America go. They are afraid to reclaim their freedoms or their rights. Are they afraid to come together and fight for what is right, which is just the freedom, the freedom to do what? Hey. What would Jesus do? 
what would Martin Luther King say or any hero that have died or gained fame for a cause? What would they do in a case like this? Are the people more afraid to lose their material gains rather than to fight for justice and a common cause that will allow them the right to life, liberty, and the pursuits of happiness? What ways can be made to bring recognition to the madness of what the bank, bank institutions are doing when taking homes or judges that dishonored their oaths to serve the law and protect the people and the special interests uh, people that take for granted the rights of people in vain, such as the First Amendment right to free speech or the right to have access to concerned press coverage for our community or the right to assemble peacefully against the hike of gas prices, foreclosures, and any other thing we desire to do to get positive change for the citizens of America. Well, of course, this will cause someone to get a gang started and kill the person that leads this kind of movement for a price. This is what they, any hero, whether it was a woman or a man, that has ever stood up to do a radical revolutionary change. But the cause is worth it. It was, it was what brought us this far. Do we just ignore the cries of our brothers and sisters? that are dying daily from economic struggles, suffering, starvation, turmoil right here in America caused by greed and so forth? Or do we just continue to think delusional and say, oh, it'll go away on its own? We don't need another march. What happened to the leader followers that were with Martin Luther King? Where are they? Are they afraid too? If anybody would know how to get a march started, it would probably it would be them. And all I know and all you know is who we know is those that did this civil rights movement start back over 40 years ago. And it seems like we're going to need it now, you guys. Somebody has to stand up against the popular way of thinking. The issues need to be publicized. I don't mean by writing about it. I mean, I'm tired of writing myself, okay? But we need, we need, to, we need to do something. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm tired of writing. Um, can we go out on the highways and the byways and talk about it? The real issues that are hurting America right here at home. I am too radical, or am I too realistic? Am I too radical, y'all? You know, I mean, now, the reason why I read this uh, little article here, and it probably took about, what, 10 minutes to really say something on it, but that's because as being the founder and the, and the president or, or just the owner of families and victims of fraud, and that I have set up on the Columbus NAACP as, the co-chair of their legal redress, and that I have seen something in our own communities right here in Columbus, Ohio, that need to be dealt with. I don't know about you guys, you know, across the land, but, hey, we're coming here to you from Columbus, Ohio. And what we tried to do is that we tried to come up with a way 
to deal with some things on a systemic level. And what I mean by systemic is that instead of going into the courthouse one by one, you know, that we go in as a collective because it's a collective thing. It's everybody's going through either one similar situated situation or another. And we need to come together because as I sat on the NAACP's uh, uh, co-chair and executive board and and was out to do this particular move uh, as in collaboration with the NAACP, which we were dealing with this $45 million settlement fund, and, and, and the NAACP uh, okayed it to be done. And even though we had, you know, the blessing of the uh, Franklin County, um, um, you know, Franklin County itself uh, to, to, to help us with this, um, in the end thereof, when we did this report, and, I, and, and I'm going to read it off to you because sometimes I get a little tongue twisted, so it's good that, you know, we take and I, I read it off, okay? In, in, on November the 23rd, there was a uh, public sign-up uh, rally uh, dealing with credit reporting class action claims, okay? And what we were doing was we were uh, giving public notification to people to come out and, and sign up if they have been a part of a Chapter 7 bankruptcy discharge uh, and had errors on their credit report. And, and this was to say if they had errors on their credit report issued between March of 2002 to May 11, 2009, and then those citizens could benefit from a class action settlement, okay? And, um, and we were conducting as a collaborative and a collective the NAACP, Families, Victims of Fraud, and also the uh, Franklin County um, commissioners, you know, that knew all about this. Uh, we were trying to come together here uh, to have people to come out and be notified that about the settlement rally uh, or the sign-up rally. And so we had collected about 27 people that came out to that rally. And... In my mind, Columbus is a big place, and for media to be so scarce in Columbus, and all we got was 27 people with just one uh, Channel 10 that was out, um, uh, and 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 just to bring people in, um, that was good compared to what could have happened if if we would have had it full blown. But nevertheless, we were just blessed that to know that somebody was interested in wanting to know more about what to do to cure their uh, injuries or, or what they have went through with the credit report. And um, so we went off and we did research, the legal redress, uh, which was uh, uh, all of us that were collaborating together. And we did some research and we went all the way to Cincinnati, we went all the way to Kentucky, and put it up on Sixth Circuit so that we could uh, try to have them to adopt the class action lawsuit settlement here in Ohio. And this was coming from 
California. Now, if you want to know what's going on with all of that, um, you can you can look at uh, put it in on a Google, and it should come up as. And if you Google it, it will come up as the forty-five. It put in WACP forty-five million dollar sign up rally. Okay, just do that. Okay, but after we had got finished and we had the uh, jurisdiction here. Uh, we called for another update or for an update on uh, January the 8th, and we were, again, at the VEX Memorial uh, for that particular uh, setting. And while we were there, 17 of, of, the, uh, of the individuals that was a part of the first half of what we were doing, the sign-up rally, came. But this time, there was no media, okay? And what we were, or what I was supposed to do then was to do a presentation to let them know that they need to sign up for or sign some affidavits and some other documents so that they, we could take it to the U.S. Attorney General here in Columbus, Ohio. And... I, I, I don't know, but I think everybody's quiet here in Columbus, Ohio. And, and, you know, even though that this is dealing with bankruptcy, discharges, and Chapter 7, and creditors that have jumped up out of people's credit reports to go and, and put, I guess, liens on houses and put some, put, I'm serious, put some. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. I'm serious, putting some, uh, you know, uh, making them pay stuff that's already supposed to be discharged, and, and some people have uh, had injuries from these things. But things are still quiet. And, you know, and it seems as though that the higher you get in it or the deeper you get in it, the more the doors start to close. And so my issue is, is what's going on? Because Anytime you're dealing with bankruptcy and discharges, that's in the federal. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and anytime you deal with people that have been hurt in something and you're collecting the data to find out who is all being hurt, the trustee panel and the U.S. attorney, it's all their job to make sure that the credit reports are being reported with with correct information. Well, one of my biggest concerns, you know, uh, since uh, you've uh, exploited this story, uh, Lardy Miss Clardy, is that uh, uh, two years ago when I was uh, working on uh, Barack Obama's ticket, passing out on his flyer and all of that, all, all these type things around the uh, communities, I, I saw a lot of empty houses, obviously, uh, whether it's the north side of town, mm-hmm. the, the, the east side of town. But my biggest surprise, though, Lardy Miss Cardi, as I was doing my door-to-door for uh, uh, President uh, Barack Obama, Obama, I'm out in the suburban areas, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of foreclosed houses in those areas as well. So, so I'm very surprised, Lardy Miss Clardy, that 
so few people has even uh, decided to stand up, speak up, and speak out, because usually, traditionally, even though we don't want to ruffle any feathers right. or, 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 you know, uh, get involved in all that, we usually, uh, we usually stand up, speak up, or speak out when it comes to any situation that hits, that hits home, or mm-hmm. should I say, on a backyard. Right. And, and this is one of these situations here where it has hit your own backyard right. and you still not standing up speaking up and speaking out. Well, that I don't understand. And, 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 and being that uh, we have talked with the helpers or even what you would call the deputies where the, in, uh, where the uh, U.S. Uh, Attorney General is located, and we have also been at the Ohio uh, AG's office, the uh, Attorney General's office on the Ohio level, and nobody wants to come and find out what's going on because what I have found out, now I'm going to read something because I found this on the Internet and and it's it's important to understand this because if you got errors on your credit report that was wrongfully put in there in the first place and you had did a bankruptcy chapter seven and discharge and all of a sudden you got stuff on your credit report that is doing owing where creditors done jumped up out of it, out of a discharge, and you can prove this stuff now, you know what I mean? And and they go and tap liens to your house, uh, make it where you can't get no no loans, you can't get no insurance, you can't get no house, you can't get another house if you want to, you can't even get employment, whatever it is, no loans to, 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 uh, to build your business, or you can't even get... Uh, uh, not uh, even in good hands with Allstate. No, I ain't, I ain't trying. I ain't trying <laughs> to go there. All I'm saying is that this is what I have found out through the little bit of data that I have went to go do research on. Okay, families and victims of fraud through legal redress. I understand what I'm saying. So now they have it where they talk about bankruptcy fraud rarely caught and prosecuted. And they tell it, they're saying where you can find this information at is on an, uh, it's an article on the website under A-S-S-E-P-R-E-C-O-V as in Victor, E-R-Y-W-A-T-C-H dot com. I hope I spelled that for you to be able to hear this. Recently explored a low rate of both bankruptcy audits and prosecution for those individuals who hide assets during bankruptcy process. Now, as I heard that in a bankruptcy, you tell everything that you got, but those, but those that don't have that education, they tell everything they got. And in the end, and, and, and in the end, they are being the ones that are being victimized because they don't have the knowledge. Now, as we already know, the, 
the USTs and the panel trustees are held accountable when bankruptcies are being done, you know, in federal court. They are to make sure that correct information is being reported in the credit report, okay? Now, it said fraud cases submitted in fiscal year of 2008, the United States trustee program handled 900,993 uh, bankruptcy cases and filed only 1,810 criminal referrals due to false statements, concealment of assets, and other illegal activities. If these trustees also identified 45 cases in which a bankruptcy filing was made using a false identity that is equivalent to a rate of 0.148%, meaning that less one and one half criminals referrals were made for every thousand bankruptcy filing the USTP handled. That was, again, the United States trustee program, okay? Now, fraud cases prosecuted, through, though 1,810 actions for illegal bankruptcies filed plus the false identity case were brought to the DOJ, the Department of Justice, in 2008, filed on 18 prosecutions in which bankruptcy fraud was, led, was the lead charge. Now, they said actual fraud is quite high. They are saying the United States Department of Justice estimate that one in every 10 bankruptcy filings have an element of fraud associated with it. A U.S. TP audit of fiscal 2008 that came up with that figure of 993,815 bankruptcy filings found material misstatements of income or expenditures in 21% of cases, but only and filed 1,471 criminal referrals. That is equivalent to the rate of zero 1.48%, meaning that less than one and one and a half criminals referrals were made for every thousand bankruptcy filings the USP handled. Now, the DOJ estimates that fraud occurs in 10% of filing, and given the low number criminal referrals, the question can be asked, how well are trustees doing at detecting that fraud? The number of referrals is really low, and we ought to be looking at why. And this is what the DOJ spokesman said, okay? Is bankruptcy fraud not occurring, or are bankruptcy trustees either not competent to detect it or not making the effort to detect it, okay? Now, we're going on. Poor trustee training, loose requirements. The agency claimed that detecting and combating bankruptcy fraud in the U.S. trustee program priority, the trustee appointed the Justice Department to oversee almost every bankruptcy file in the U.S. are not required by law or regulations to have any expertise in tracing or recovering concealed or stolen assets. Now, let's, let's keep in mind, y'all, stolen assets. Yeah. 
That's how many people that go and do filings in bankruptcies and those that don't know nothing tell everything they own. And then, you know, and then they be the one that get it all taken. Well, yeah, that's, don't that usually happen in divorce cases as opposed to someone that's not married at all? Lord, no. I mean, I don't know where that's similar at, but I will say this, that if you are educated about it, there's just some things you ain't supposed to put in there, even though they tell you to put them in there. But for those that know that, they don't be putting that, they don't put their valuable assets up in there to be, you know, a candidate for the taking, if you understand. Right. But when you're talking about uneducated people or people that can't read or people that don't know what the right is or what they're supposed to be doing, you understand, they're supposed to get this information from their lawyers. I was one of them that got, didn't get no information, even though he was my legal advisor. You understand what I'm saying? The information that I know now was nothing that he had gave me back then for the reason why my house was taken on after a bankruptcy and discharge, and two years after the discharge, some creditors jumped up out of the daggone credit report and threw a lien up on my house as like it's doing owing and took my house in foreclosure. Now, what I am saying is this. The UST panel and the U.S. the U.S. Uh, uh, trustees that oversee the bankruptcy, they have a job to do to make sure correct information go into the three major credit reports: TransUnion, Equifax, and what's the other one? Uh. Free credit report. Oh Lord, have mercy! I can tell that you, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> oh, but nevertheless, we go on. TransUnion, Equifax, and um, Experian. Okay, those are the three major credit reports that we have that is supposed to have a way to even update the stuff that's in the credit bureau. But they don't. So it lay doing, doing owing on people's credit reports that probably have done bankruptcies and discharges and stuff, and this stuff lay in a credit report, and then now they have the nerve to spread out the time from seven years to ten years in order for the bankruptcy to uh, actually be a finished deal. You understand? Yeah. And what, what happens to these people that are, are being hurt within that time frame where they can't get no insurance or they can't get another home or, you know, they have lost their home because somebody done snuck up out of their credit report and, and went and got a lien from the courts or, you know, or, and, and threw it up onto the house or whatever the case it may be to have the flooded system, systemic problems that we are having that is attacking our economy today. And I'm concerned about it because people here in Columbus and those that are listening from out, out, out there, Nothing can be done without help. People that are trying to bring exposure to what is going on in other people's lives, 
have to be a support. You can't be afraid to come out and get involved as a community and as we as leaders, we have a job to do. But people, your job is to hold the people that's done it to you accountable. And if there's people that are out here that's trying to help, we cannot do it without your voice. It would be crazy to try to dag on do something standing up all by yourself with two or three people. We need support. And so I come to you on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show because I got something to say. And what I got to say is important because the NAACP can't help, families and victims of fraud can't help, until you get to the point where you're sick of tired of being sick of tired and that you're ready to stand. It is a call for stand, a time to stand up, speak up, and speak out. Because just like you have been injured, there's others that have been injured just like you. And I wouldn't be up here on the radio, on this blog talk radio, speaking to you unless I have been through it and still going through it, and out here fighting in the community to try to get some resolution. Now, resolution does not start until us as a people come together. As I said before in the last segment of the show uh, last week, last Saturday, I told you there's systemic problems that's going on based because it's coming from our judicial system. But the judicial system will continue to keep reeling us in like cows and slaughtering us like cattle until we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, here's errors that's being done in your credit reports based upon of Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Now, and it's still doing owing. I have found 27 people that was involved and only 17 came out, okay? Now, I know there's more out there including y'all that we're talking about, you know, from the other state. What I'm saying is that how is we going to get the bag on the United States Attorney General to, to help us when we ain't even come together like we need to? We can't go up there by ourselves. We're going to need some extra uh, media, too, because the media, you know, in certain places, and I ain't going to say no names, but there's media that will not, that will not, you guys, come and shed the light. One, because it will be shedding the light on who's paying them to shut up. Well, yeah, not only, not only that, uh, Lardy, Miss Clardy, you, you, you know, I'm dumbfounded. You, you, you said of the 27 people, only 17 showed up. I, I, I want to ask this question to the ones who feel... Uh, that that they shouldn't show up. That that they didn't uh, show up. Whatever happened to, oh my kids come first. You know that plays a role in terms of providing a home, Lardy Miss Clardy, because you know when you when you when you owning a a home, eventually you got kids in your home. Home, don't you? I, I'm asking. I'm just asking people. Don't, don't you believe your kids deserve the warmth, the uh, uh, shelter, and, and, you know, the, the comfort of a, of a nice home 
and you don't worry about uh, all those types of financial problems that go with it. Yeah, but even deeper than that, if we don't do something about it, then our kids is going to go through it because our kids have watched us not stand up and deal with any of the matters at hand because we got we are afraid. Why we got afraid, I don't know. But, boy, when it was time for Barack Obama to go into office, everybody that might have been afraid was out there at the polls. And then it was 202 million strong or so that, that came and supported that man. Now, Barack Obama can't do this by himself, as we was able to see it took over $2 million to drive him into that daggone presidency. Now, the same thing when we're dealing with uh, issues on a systemic level that have caused America to be in a deficit. You understand? And it's in our family settings and in our communities. We're being redlined. Most of us because we don't have education. We're not up on what's going on. But the people that got the money, hey, they trying to get more. They know how to make money. The point here that I'm saying is that the U.S. Attorney General needs to be called. The people need to call to get the Attorney General to look at what's going on with the bankruptcies, discharges, Chapter 7s, where there are errors on the credit report, which is due and owing. And underneath that, need to look at the injuries that it have caused us as citizens behind this. And because we got a longevity in what the bankruptcy time frame is going to be on your credit report, there's plenty of time for them to take and do more harm to you, meaning that as long as there are credit errors on your credit report, the longer it's on there, the longer it's going to take you to be able to get a job, to be able to get a loan, to get insurance, or get a house, or to be a second homeowner, or, or just basically to get a fresh start. Please, I am begging all of you out there. Now, I ain't got no, my words are not as, as eloquent as many, but definitely when you got someone that is caring about the community, just as many have said that they have, but at the same time, there is no backing, no support to get the word out and the communities to become involved. This is not the time to be afraid, people, because there is a solution, but it has to be us as a people to come together. We can no longer go inside of the, of the uh, courtrooms and, 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 and by ourselves and say, we ain't got no support from the attorneys and blah, blah, and we do it by ourselves and we still get kicked out because we don't have, you know, the, the finances and nobody want to help us, and they ain't going to help us either because, you know, hey, they don't want to get busted, whoever that they're protecting underneath the brotherhood. All I'm saying is that there, it is time for change up in here, you know, and most of us is getting sick and tired, and I know I'm one of them because if I'm out here trying to help y'all, or I'm out here trying to dag on find a solution. The solution is coming together. This is a systemic problem. We need to come together. 
so that we can get a solution up under a class action, under the similar situated issues that have arise. But it cannot be done without your help, people. And I want to go further to read you another article that is concerning. Yes, there is more. Because here, you know, here's the FBI. Now, I just got finished talking to you about, you know, the trustees, the UST trustee, panel trustees. Okay, who's supposed to have some training to detect, you know, a criteria of, of uh, 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 to, to, to see who's stealing from themselves and from the people. I don't know what they're doing up in there. But we do know that the panel trustees and the USTs are responsible for the uh, correct information to go into the credit bureau reports. We do know that. And we know that the U.S. Attorney General is responsible for those UTS and those panel judge, uh, trustees that may have, because of no real training, overlooked some stuff, okay? And I'm going to be nice about it. Uh, I think they just turned their back, and, you know, and they've been doing it for years, and they've just been doing as much as they can do since everybody don't know, you know, much to do anything about anything. So, so, and, and, and then the last part that I want to read to you before I go here, because coming from the FBI, you know, you need to know this. Now, the writer says, you ready to laugh? He says, the numbers don't surprise him terribly. The article quotes Jane W. Boyd, a Traverse, a, 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 a Traverse City, Michigan attorney, currently president of the National Association of Bankruptcy Trustees, now, have your ears on, y'all. He said, I think the USTP system is very aggressive in its pursuits of these matters. And I think most trustees are quite aggressive when they see what they believe is an intentional fraud committed on the system by the debtor. What about the creditor? Okay? Now, we got debtors that go in there. Those must be the ones that must be educated, which is the ones that know not to put stuff dag on uh, uh, bankruptcy, knowing that you know they ain't got to. But what about the creditors? When it comes to some debtors that don't have the education, and they take and they put everything up in there and get the discharge, and then they jump out and go and snatch your house and do stuff to your credit, so you can't even get nothing, and it's still looking like you do and owing. And so he's saying this. He says, many personal bankruptcies well, excuse me. However, Mr. Boyd stated that as mistakes or misstatements about assets have to be viewed in context. <laughs> Many personal bankruptcies involve individuals with little education in legal matters and little ability to hire experienced counsel. Well, I think that's a, a little a little too said understatement. You mean what you mean to say is that Uneducated people are uneducated about legal matters. And because they ain't got no money, because they already in hardship, they can't afford the big-time lawyers that will be able to help them. And the crooks take advantage of that. Absolutely. So then we go on and say, okay, now, if the bankruptcy trustees are barred from providing advice to filers, so what does it mean? Does it mean that because they ain't supposed to do this, it's a free-for-all? When it's concerning the uneducated, 
that will be considered a, re- a redlining there. You understand? Yeah. Really, people don't know what they should report that they have three cars, report they own lots of gold jewelry, bolts and stocks. What about their bankruptcy attorney? These trustees may not be able to advise filers, but don't the attorneys explain to their clients what has to be included as access, as access? And I'm saying that I was one of them before I got wise. No, I didn't, I didn't get all the explanation. Shoot, he didn't even explain to me that I could have saved my home, even though I did a reaffirmation at the time of the bankruptcy, but that didn't mean that it was exempt. Ooh. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it was a free-for-all for two creditors to come up out of the bankruptcy so that they can go and attach it to my house and then carry my house off in state court and take it based off of so-called for in personam, which we was in the wrong venue. We was out in federal. You understand? We should have been out in federal, federal court, but it was in state court. And I lost my house based up off of this and then come to find out that one of the parties that should have been in the proceedings was not in the proceedings but mentioned, and that was the United States HUD. HUD? HUD. So, you know, now, and I'm saying that these creditors are still doing these, these, these so-called liens. They still on my credit report as though like they still do an owing. Well, it wasn't about that. It was about <laughs> learning a lesson. So I'm going to talk about here after we get finished with this break, because I know I done said a lot already, and I uh, thank you for listening to me, but I'll be right back because I want to read about, you know, the, the new analyst of a rising threat. And this is from the Federal Bureau of Investigations on Mortgage Fraud, okay? Now, the stuff that I'm talking about is all in one. I'm talking to you about foreclosures. I'm talking about to you uh, 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 bank charges and errors in credit reports and all that comes with underneath foreclosures. This is not only just dealing with just the systemic problem of errors on credit reports, based up off of still doing knowing, although you have had a bankruptcy and discharge of Chapter 7, but then we got the rollover that's coming in, which is dealing with, could this be why your house was taken to? Why the rise in foreclosures happened so good? The reason why the biggest nation in the world or the biggest city in the world or the biggest or the littlest city in the world became the number one in the nation in foreclosures. So just I'll be right back. Just think about that, and, and, and we'll get back with you. I'll be right back. I'm 
Okay, I am back right here on the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show with yours truly, Brother Blondie. And I know it don't take a whole lot, you know, for Blondie, you know, especially when, you know, he is listening to something. He's listening attentively, I see here, you know, but, hey, if it's a subject that he knows that he needs to be quiet on, he knows how to be quiet, don't he, y'all? But that's okay. But you know what? It's okay because he works enough. And, you know, and he needs to listen because he could be able to help me to get this out into the public the way it needs to be anyway. Again, you know, we're here to bring you information that is going to help you, okay, and help us. You know, we're, we're, I mean, for real, because uh, we all in this together. My issue, again, and I want to thank you for having me back, you know, and 
you know, while we at it, before I keep going, and again, I told you I'm not a woman of elaborate words or, or, or eloquent words. I, because I have dealt with the uh, grassroots uh, community for so long, you know, I'd rather talk simple words. Sometimes it might come out as a, a little a little tongue twisted, but nevertheless, I'm hoping it'll get to your ears because it's what I'm doing from the heart, even though that my words sometimes might get twisted, but I'm bringing a word, okay? I'm bringing a word from the heart because we are out here in Columbus, Ohio, looking at what's going on. And again, as I said before, I am the founder and the president of Families and Victims of Fraud, and I went to collaborate with the NAACP here in Columbus, okay? I am a member of the NAACP. I even sat on on their a board and sat as co-chair for the legal redress and was one that helped to pilot the $45 million settlement, okay, uh, 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 that was to come here to Columbus, Ohio. And the NAACP collaborated with Franklin County, which they were nice enough for us to have uh, the uh, Betts Memorial uh, uh, Coliseum, I guess, to 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 have our uh, uh, issues talked about over there as as hearings and updates on public notifications and different things, which I'm very thankful for that. But where we stand now is that in order to run this thing, well, you know why everybody is collaborating? Uh, well, I'm trying to figure out. It takes money to collaborate and to put money out so that we are able to uh, fund what it is that we're doing. Now, I came out of my pocket as families and victims of fraud, because I'm a victim and I'm a family, and I've been defrauded too, but I'm a concerned citizen, and so I come up out of my pocket to help uh, the people uh, that needed me to help them, and I don't got no money. I ain't working, but nevertheless, I took what little bit of money I had and put it in and invested in on the people because I love the people. And in the meantime, I'm going to rest on that because just to think about it, that, you know, a person that would take welfare money, disability, disability money, and to, to do all of this stuff to help people, and there is not one daggone soul out there that want to take on anything like that, this that we are doing, because they don't want, they don't want nothing to get busted. Our hands might be in the cookie jar. I don't know what's going on, but it's too political, and they need to stop being political and be bipartisan about this, because there are people's lives that are at stake in their livelihoods, including mine. Um, I, I want to. I want my issue solved. That's for sure. So when I'm coming to you know, these particular organizations, whoever they may be. I am coming to you needing support, even for me to do this blog talk radio show, and I thank even the blog talk administrators that give us this chance to be on their radio to to broadcast to you important information. But they even want you to pay 
for premium services in order to get the word out. Well, I'm only one person. I don't have the money to do it. But I am coming to anybody that's out there that's listening and that have any faith in my ability or the ability of me being able to handle money and handle it right and and do what I need to do with it in order to make projects like what we are doing a success. And if you don't believe me that I'm doing anything, why don't you go up on www.wendyclartyministries.org and look at the press releases on there and scroll all the way down, and you'll see my face on the picture with the NAACP, and you will see that little blonde-haired girl uh, that's sitting over there in, in the crowd as not just only as a member, but also one that's been active in the community uh, as a collaboration with the NAACP, as well as someone that has been injured by the very system that I am out here trying to get to help us. So with all that to say, getting to the conclusion, and Brother Blondie, I will let you speak on who was that that was uh, playing just a minute, but I just want to get to the conclusion of this particular note where I had came out to tell you, okay? And, and, and the conclusion of this thing, if, you, if anybody that's out there that's hiding assets from trustees during your Chapter 7 bankruptcy proceedings, you have a 1 in 1,000 shot and not being detected in the current system of trustees, okay? I'm not sure how much press this has gotten or if the public cares. It seems that in these times of economic crisis, this should be taken care of. We found some statistics from this article on the average amount for filings in 2007 and 2008. Depending on the state, the amount of individual filing range from 25,000 to 11,000. We just take the average of these two which is 18,000, this means that 8,527 cases not caught. $18 equal one, let me see if I put it like this, $153.5 million of assets are potentially not recovered due to a poorly trained or understaffed U.S. bankruptcy trustee, this amount is not going to solve our deficit problem or balance the budget, but the cost to the community, the country, is not insignificant. So, and all in telling you that is that we have a big problem, and it can't get out because we ain't got the right kind of media. People ain't trying to dag on, you know, show too much because there's a lot of heads that will roll behind this. But people, they need to be held accountable. In order for you to be able to get your money or get the things that they stole from you or took from you back, this is what you're going to have to do because those that know how not to put their assets up in there, they ain't suffering. It's the ones that's putting everything in the bankruptcy because they told to, and the systemic problem is on a lower level, down on a grassroots level. It's a systemic problem. 
And so I'm here to bring it to you. Okay, now, and, and then after Brother Blondie get finished telling you who was that that was playing, then we're going to go to the FBI because I have that to say, okay? And after then, I will shut up because I know that I brought a lot to you. And we're going to talk about this next week because i got to bring it back because there's more. And I can't say it all in one night, but I am asking for help, you know? I am asking for anybody out there that is willing to take a chance on a little, little lady like myself, you know, that is out here to do a job and do it the right way with people to help if I can get $1 from somebody out there, I'm happy with that because $1 go a long way, okay? You know, so I'm not even, I ain't trying to be the televangelist that's on TV talking about 50 and 100, you know what I'm saying? Just $1. If I could get $1 from you where I can uh, pay for, you know, the premium services to get this word out further, uh, through the Blog Talk Radio Show, and also a little bit of money to be able to do the research and to pull the people together and to pay for what it is that we need to have done. I'm willing to do that, too. I'm asking for help because I have put my money where my mouth is, whether I'm on welfare or on Social Security. And I've been out here to help, and it's come out my pocket. And I am asking for help. I can't do this thing alone, y'all. I can't. And there's only but three or four other people that's willing to come on in, too. But we can't do this without your help. So if you give a, give a donation or a contribution, uh, look on to the website of www.familiesandvictimsoffraud.com. And there is a contribution uh, button there, and give a contribution. I don't care if it's just a dollar. It can be 50 cents. But I'm asking for, I am trusting that the God that we serve will put it in your heart, whoever is out there that's listening to me, to give, you know, of support. We need support. I'm coming to you with some real stuff. Uh, like I said, all you got to do is Google it in. Google in NAACP. Um, $45 million settlement. You can, it's also in Google, Wendy Clardy Ministries as well, where the, where the website is up there. And also you will see my little, my little blonde hair with some glasses on, with black and white, uh, with a black and white shirt. I am doing something positive, and I just need your support. And I also need the people to stand with me you know, so that we can get the job done. 17 is great, but it would be nice to have 500. You know what I mean? The pressure comes in for some odd reason, but we need your help. Brother Blondie, who was that, who was that singing on the good, good, on the good, good? What was it? <laughs> oh, well, the name of the song is good, good. And the woman who sang that song is the lovely Ashanti. Oh, it's Ashanti. Okay. Yes, uh, yes. you do. Beyonce, they hey, they good. They going at it, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, who's better, Beyonce <laughs> or Ashanti? Well, I, I played Ashanti for you. That Ashanti was good, good. Listen, I'm sitting up here sweating, sweating myself to death, you guys. You know because it takes it takes it takes energy to talk about certain things like this. I really do appreciate your ear. 
and thank you, Blog Talk Radio Show, for even giving me the opportunity to get up here to to speak to the people. And 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 moreover, you know, Blog Talk Radio didn't even have to be in existence. So you know, I feel like I'm right on time. So what I'm gonna do is I'm a I'm gonna shut down for a minute again, and then I'm gonna come back with you with this uh, come back at you with this. Uh, um, uh, information that's coming from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI. We'll be back.
Pop champagne. Okay. Welcome back to the Lardy Miss Clardy Blog Talk Radio Show. This is Lardy Miss Clardy talking at you today with your one and only Brother Blondie, your co host. Brother Blondie, who was popping champagne? Oh, well, uh, no other than Jim Jones, Ron Browns, and Jewel Santana. Okay. Popping that champagne. Okay, they were popping champagne. Was that New Year's Day? Or they still <laughs> uh, are they still popping champagne still? Oh, well, they've been popping champagne for over a year now. Okay, well, okay. well they all going popping champagne. Okay, okay. So we are back, and this conversation that I've been talking about, is what we are is on mortgage fraud, foreclosures, and errors on citizens' credit reports after Chapter Seven bankruptcy and discharges, which they say is still due and owing. Okay, and if this has happened to you, what kinds of hardships or injury did it cost you? For example, mental anguish, stress that caused physical and mental SSI disability, uh, can't get insurance, can't apply for loan, can't get employment. Can't be a homeowner, no fresh start, what else? Victimized, defrauded, what has this cost you and your families? How can we solve this? And so we are on this radio show tonight talking about it, or at least tonight. Ain't nobody called in, no nothing, but that's all right. I said, well, that's okay. You know, hey, they all listening. Maybe, you know, and that's a good thing, you know. But, hey, if you got something to say, stand up, speak up, and speak out. Call at the call-in number at 347-884-8684. That number, again, is 347-884-8684. Now, I want to read you another headline archive, okay? And um, it's coming from Mortgage Fraud, Okay. And it's dealing with new analysts of a rising threat, okay? Now, even though that this report I'm reporting about was done in 2008, we just got in 2010, so it ain't that old. It's still something to look at, okay, until they bring it out, some more out, and I'll get that one, okay? But until then, this is all I could see right now. And what the FBI is talking about is this. The FBI have just released a comprehensive new report on mortgage fraud, now posted in full on the website. Okay, now their website is www.fbi.gov. Okay, I guess you go to May 8th, uh, the mortgage fraud, or wherever they send you to to get this report or get the uh, the the new post it in full on their website, whatever that may be, okay? Now, they said, and as you might expect, given the downturn in the economy and all the troubles in the lending industry, it isn't a pretty picture. The information can get quite technical, plenty of charts, graphs, and hard numbers, but the FBI is inviting you to take a read if you're interested in getting educated on the issue and on emerging schemes that might impact your own pocketbook, okay? 
Among the key findings, mortgage fraud is clearly on the rise. Although there is no central way to track the total extent of the problem, FBI have received 46,717 suspicious activity reports related to mortgage fraud last year, compared to 35,617 in 2006, and just 6,936 in 2003. Only 7% of these report documents documented an exact dollar amount in terms of losses. But even so, the total loss from this 7% was I say eight a uh, uh, hundred uh, well eight eight hundred and thirteen million. Let's put it like that. Their caseload has also escalated. By the end of the fiscal year of two thousand and seven, the FBI were handling just over one thousand two hundred mortgage fraud investigations, a forty seven percent increase from two thousand and six and a whopping 176% increase from 2003, okay? The downward trend in the housing market will continue. And they're telling you to go see the forecast provided by the Mortgage Bankers Association in the report. Providing further uh, incentives for shady real estate industry insiders to look for dishonest ways to turn a profit and growing opportunities for scam artists to prey on vulnerable homeowners. The subprime lending crisis is a contributing factor to mortgage fraud, both directly and indirectly, okay? The top 10 hotspots nationwide for for mortgage fraud in 2007 and it's including Ohio, okay? That's in 2007. Um, you know, they might be the third or fourth now uh, high in the nation, but they still a hot spot, okay? The latest mortgage scam run the gamut from builder bailout schemes where developers up, up, up unload excess inventory through financial trickery to foreclosure rescue fraud that trick homeowners running over the deed to their house from seller assistance scams that use false appraisals to sell homes to identity theft that leads to home equity credit lines being opened and drained. That happened to me, y'all. That's stuff I'm talking about. And then it'd be stuck on your credit after you have did a bankruptcy and the creditors come out and they do stuff like that, jump out and put a lien on the house so that they can take your house down too. So it's a lot to look at and it's a lot to think about and it's a lot of information, I understand. So we go further. So the report also briefly recounts the FBI proactive response to the problem, including their participation in the Department of Justice's mortgage fraud working group, which, uh, through which the FBI is helping to, to identify large-scale industry insiders and criminal entre- uh, entre- enterprises conducting systemic mortgage fraud. There go that word again, y'all, systemic, C, 
see you got systemic with errors on credit report. You got systemic fraud going on with the errors in the credit report based upon bankruptcies. You got the systemic mortgage fraud that also deals with having something to do with the credit bureau and also the bankruptcies and discharge. And some other issues that's going to arise out of bankruptcies and discharges and false credit reporting and still doing owning based up off of that stuff, okay? But the FBI is saying uh, they work in multi-agency mortgage fraud task forces and working groups around the country and our recent mortgage fraud summit to discuss the issue with special agents nationwide. Well, I'm going to say this, FBI. We have a problem here in Ohio, Columbus, and we just uh, stumbled upon this $45 million settlement fund that deals with bankruptcies and discharges under Chapter 7. And in brief, this is what they're saying. If a citizen receives a discharge in a bankruptcy and believes they had errors on the credit report and issued between March 15, 2002 and May 11, 2009, then those citizens may benefit from a class action settlement, okay? And so that means that there are errors that are in people's credit reports after they have done bankruptcies, whether they had some sense and had some education or not, but there's errors in the credit report. We have the data to show, even though it was only 27, and then on the second time, 17 came out, okay, and even though they're on affidavits, okay, uh, that show that there were significant injuries even some that have been disabled from it, okay? And some that have lost way of being able to get home or a fresh start or credit or car loan, employment, whatever the case, but it's keeping the community down. FBI, the panel trustees and the USTs are responsible in making sure that three major credit report bureaus have correct information in them from the people that come in and do bankruptcies and discharges in federal court. We are finding that they that 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 some of these things have not happened like it's supposed to. And then the credit reports in their bureaus are lacking without an updated system to correct the problem. Now, we all have to walk 10 years for those that have done bankruptcies in 2002, and it was only supposed to be for seven years, but now it's been, it's been extended to 10 years before it will finally come up off the credit report. Did you stand up, so and so and so, what will happen to us underneath those systems? We need support. There are things that the that we ain't even got no attorneys to help us. 
The attorneys won't even come out to help us because, you know, uh, I, I don't know why, but I was told by a professional that even though that we work as legal redress people, we are not supposed to do um, legal, general legal advice to nobody. You understand? But we are out handling legal issues, and there is no attorney that is willing to stand by our side to help us so we won't get unauthorized practice of law. Now, I do have a very important question about that. Uh, Wait a minute. You can in a minute, as soon as I finish. It was told to us that no attorney can give advice. Now, if you got a license as an attorney and you're representing us as attorney, uh, now I'm scared because there is no attorney that will stand up, speak up, and speak out about the systemic issues that we are facing. And even though that we are uh, uh, underneath this $45 million settlement fund claim, it is still active. We need support, FBI. The U.S. Attorney General has a duty to do to protect the people uh, with their rights and to help them with what's going on with them through and by these bankruptcies. It's a federal issue. I'm just a person that's speaking up this evening. And hopefully, FBI, that you can understand that we need some things to be looked at over here. I'm hoping that the Blog Talk Radio Show administrators will find a way to get this out where people can hear this because we are without funding to be able to sign up for your premiums and the agencies that we have looked into don't have funding either. And so we need help. And so where there is an attorney that's supposed to do a job, we need help. And so does the community right here in Columbus, Ohio. I'm speaking up for Columbus, Ohio, you know, and I'm also speaking up to say Columbus, Ohio, people, we need you too. We can't do this by ourselves. So I'm standing up, speaking up, and speaking out for all of us. We need support. Jeez, I, I, I mean, well, having said all, all, all of that, uh, Lord and Miss Clardy, you, you, you know, you're this. Let me get this straight. You saying lawyers won't get involved? This is what professionals. I mean, I'm seeing it. The pro se litigants coming in from the courthouse. Uh, you know, I, I, we, you know. At my time of being with the NAACP, I have seen pro se litigants come in and say that they have spent 15, 2,500, 500 to get a job done and nobody is doing the job and, it, and things is happening to them and then causing them to go into the system to try to represent themselves and still get kicked out like they shoe fly, don't bother me. And then, you know, uh, on the $45 million settlement fund, which I had to 
help in terms of out-of-pocket expenses to get it to where it is, and there is no lawyer for the legal redress team where we can uh, have protection so we won't get dinged for UPL, for saying something that sounds like legal advice, and also um, um, an attorney uh, that will be there, you know, just in case the people come and have legal questions. So, uh, you know, and then we ain't got no fun. But why would anybody want to shy away from, from a situation that has damn near close to home? Sometimes it could be uh, based off of uh, uh, um, conflicts of interest. It's too political. But, but with an organization like the NAACP that's been around for 100 years now, Lardy Miss Party, you would think an organization of that prestige would have uh, uh, dozens of attorneys to uh, uh, look over this uh, $45 million uh, uh, settlement. What seems to be the problem uh, there? Well, I don't know what the problem is there. All I know is, is where is the people? See, the people is what got the power. No people, no power. And if they did have it, no right, no justice, no peace. So I would say no people, no power. Uh, you know what I'm saying? If ain't nobody hollering and coming together where there will be somebody that will, will, will be able to help, it can't be done until the people themselves. When Lordy Miss Party, we talking about their homes. Well, but it's more deeper than that, Brother Blondie. It's not about just about their homes. It's about how you know that you how how the people are going to jail and losing everything and got their kids is being lost. You know their kids kids is going down the tube. Homes being lost, like you said, no fresh start, uh, no employment. People getting kicked off their day employment, and then people that's going inside a credit report before they can even get hired or to be looked at got to be got to have background check and, and credit check. Credit check before you get up a get a rental place. So if your credit is messed up based off of whatever, you know, whether it's bankruptcies or whatever, you know, where 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 can you get where can you get any 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 uh equity to be or, or equality done in the situation? Huh? Yes, yeah. I'm doing my show. Uh, yes, we're still on. You know? And so so it's about People have to know now, have to know now that your families, when it comes to your kids, you've got to pass something down to them. You understand? Yeah. Um, They've got to have some way to know how to stand up. I mean, if we don't do something now, then our, our, our future with our children won't know what to do to be able to, uh, to protect themselves. We've got to do something. And so that's why I'm saying what I got to say this evening to you, because it's not all about that. Uh, it's, it's about everything, and it's going to become systemic. And based up off of po politics, nobody wants to do anything. But it is now time to put down the politics and become bipartisan. So I'm leaving with you with that this evening, and – and, and I'm going to read one more article that I wrote, okay, for you to think about, too. 
I know I must have talked a lot during this daggone two-hour segment, but but I had something to say. Now, it might come a little bit twisted a little bit, but I'm hoping that your ears is open to want to hear it, okay, and, 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 and digest it, and also even if you have to dissect it to understand. But I'm putting it out there the best way I know how. And, and in this article, I did another article, and this was done January 23rd, 2008, with AHRC News Services, um, Elt, in, as, an, as an, an editor again, um, about a call to stand again, okay? We did a stand back in the early 60s and the early 30s and wherever, and all through the Waco, Texas thing, and what all or whatever we were going through. But it's now time to stand and stand again, okay? And this is what I got to say to you all. I listened to a message today that left me in tears remembering the days of old, the life of Dr. Martin Luther King. And as much as I would like to say about him, I am speechless because I have my own story to tell, witnessing the struggles to have the rights and justice and that the king did not die in vain. His words did not fall on deaf ears. As I look at my own life, my own issues, and my own fate, I truly have come to understand the reason for why such a man was picked to do that great mission, the march. He wasn't trying to gain any, anything other than the right to be able to live. Dr. Martin Luther King's fight was the same fight as Jesus. Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks, and so on, for the love of mankind to be able to live. Unlike the reverend, no one knows the troubles I've seen and no one knows the life I had to live and what I have seen in my growing stages about this world. One could only question how much more can a person take of this injustice that seems to never go away and it is affecting all of us. Although there are celebrations for this great man and talk of what he did in his time, there is still innocent blood being shed. It's like that march had never happened. It may, it may not be about black and white issues as much anymore, but it's still there, and it's being disguised by another type of race, the have and the have not, and the color is green. Race and rights still fall under this category. There is still injustice. Sadly to say that Dr. Martin Luther King is being made a mockery of because nothing has changed. His death and his life to be remembered is just a band-aid solution for guilt and shame and to make us believe and feel that there's enough affection for the minority and just enough to keep us docile. It may seem like a cynical statement to some, but to the have-nots, we know the difference. Nothing's changed. Still there is no peace, and there is still no equality and justice for the poor. No, there is none. I know because I'm one of the poor, 
that have been stripped, not once, but twice, and I live among them. So I hear them crying in the name of the law of this land. Some have stolen our homes, separated our families, and taken our children without a cause, causing undue famines in the land. The communities and families all know who did it and what happened to them. No one knows about it because they have no one to talk to or to investigate the issues. We have no one truly on our side to help us to police the laws of the unlawful. The laws of this, land, of this world are not the laws of our creator. Dr. Martin Luther King was not trying to make new laws, but he was policing a worldly law to be enforced by marching for the establishment of the spirit law, making the worldly law a moral law to go by so justice could reign. There are some that still believe that they are above the law, getting away with murder, and after King's death, 40 years have gone by. We're still facing challenges today that look like back then. There is still work to be done. We are created equal. The creator created all of us, and no one is better than the other. Whether you have money or none at all, what makes one think they are better than another? What makes one believe they are above God? This is a call to stand and stand again. Stand up, speak up, and speak out, America. This is Lordy Miss Clardy talking at you. And all the things that I have said to you, I hope that you would put this in mind. But as we speak and I ask for support, please give us your support. Go on to the website, help us with a dollar. Two cents. I don't care what it is, but we need to get the word out. We need people to be on our side to help us. Uh, we cannot do this without you. You know, even with the blog talk radio show, I can't even do anything about that because I am in a rut. But I at least am trying to get to the word and to the hearers that hear me or hear the cries of the people. We need help right here in Columbus, Ohio. And so with that, I want to tell you that I love you. And Martin Luther King, in remembrance of you, more power, more power in Jesus' name. And with all that's out there, remember what all of our leaders had died for. That's all of us, black and white, yellow and brown and whatever. But there was leaders and leaders that were doing a good work and that died for us to come above a mindset of less than a human. Well, well spoken. And speaking of Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, Laurie, Miss Clardy, uh, uh, this coming Monday at starting at 6 a.m. from 6 to noon, and those who live in Columbus, Ohio, the AME back this church on Brighton at 18th, we'll be having its sixth annual Martin Luther King breakfast. Come on down for some eggs, biscuits, grits, and turkey sauces, served with coffee, orange juice, milk. Uh, for further information, contact Tyrone Thomas 
at 614-668-4837 or email me, brotherblondie, at hotmail.com. And this is Brother Blondie signing off. You know, Lardy Miss Clardy is all talked out. Yeah. And I'll leave you with the legendary Kim. Well, he's going to be legendary. With the song Heaven. And I want to say to you, come back next week because we're going to finish up this topic, okay? God bless you. We'll talk with you next week. Go ahead, Brother Blondie, run it.